This is episode number 58 with Michelle Fahn of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Origato. Just had to mix up the flow, guys. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan. I'm coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia. Another awesome episode for you. We have Michelle Farn, and she's the founder of a company called Ipsy, and she's also an extremely successful content creator and vlogger. Her YouTube channel, at the time of recording this, has 7.9 million subscribers, almost 8 million, and she's had over 1 billion views on YouTube alone. So what she's done really, really well is she's figured out a way to create amazing, compelling content for free, and then looking at finding a way to servicing that community that she's built and uh, building a business around it and all sorts of things. So Michelle shares a ton of gold with us around content creation, her story, how she got started, and she's a really, really interesting entrepreneur. So if you want to understand this whole YouTube thing, if you want to understand content marketing, if you want to understand how to be more creative with your business and the content you're putting out there, you're going to absolutely love this interview. Michelle's a really cool entrepreneur and uh, that's it from me guys now let's jump in can you tell us about how you got your job sure I mean which job would you like to know about <laughs> I guess I you guess the work you're doing think. today <laughs> I mean I don't even know if there's a real corporate job title for it I mean if I had to choose one I would probably say creative director I'm very creative and I'm involved with a lot of different businesses of course, you know, my own YouTube channel, that's, I don't even consider that as a corporate job. It's really my side hobby that's turned into a job. And so I, for me, it's a playground. I just have fun and I happen to make a living off of that too. So I have my YouTube channel that I've been um, updating for the past seven, eight years. It's kind of crazy, actually. Um, 
So that's one. Another is a more corporate job. I work at M, a brand by L'Oreal. It's a beauty brand that we launched two years ago. It's a makeup brand. Just, you know, I, I work out, out of the corporate office whenever I come out to New York and I help with the creative and I help consult with all of uh, the marketing and strategizing on launch dates and all of that. So that's another job I have. Third one is Ipsy. It's a, a beauty company I founded three years ago and and it was a startup and now we're no longer a startup because it's very profitable. It's a beauty subscription bag service where we uh, ship out over 800,000 bags a month and people pay $10 a month for these beauty bags that are filled with fun curated products that range from skincare, hair, makeup, and beyond. And they get around four to five products every month, full size to deluxe size, along with content videos that um, we produce at a studio. So that's um, that's another job. Um, a fourth one, <laughs> but um, like I said, I can keep going on. But it's, it's so many to list. But if there's one common denominator, it's just me being creative and just being in my own element and just having fun with people and just brainstorming new ways to market, creating new products, and just really looking forward towards the future to see what's new and what else we can tackle. Mm. Yeah, look, um, you know, my girlfriend's a massive fan of yours. You know, so you, you're massive on oh, YouTube. Really? Yeah, yeah, she loves she, you. You're no like way, her idol. No oh, that's awesome. So, I have I was to meet to... her. She should come out to one of our events that we're throwing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most definitely. So, can you take us through, like, you've got this massive brand, you, you've got this massive following, and you and you create these awesome videos and. And everything's rocking for you right now. Can you take us through your creative process? Like if you, like I've watched many of your videos, I've read your book, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of your art. How do you conceptualize those ideas? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a lot. I mean, inspiration is everywhere. I always believe that inspiration is around us right now. And we just have to open our eyes and our ears and we have to just, you know, soak it in. So I'm always on the hunt for the new like newness and also oldness too. I'm very inspired by the past and by the new. I'm constantly opening myself up to just, you know, expand my imagination and creativity. So I'm constantly, you know, on the internet. I go through what I like to call the internet black hole where (laughs) I'll just find like some crazy, crazy trend that's happening in Asia or a really cool uh, graffiti artist in Amsterdam. You know, I'm just constantly going online. I'm finding amazing content and artist inspiration music, sounds, textures, everything. I mean, it's all there online. And even in the real world, I like to unplug myself and I like to go out into the real world and look at nature. I'm so inspired by nature, just the beauty of it and the majesticness of how nature is perfectly designed. And that inspires me a lot too. And uh, I also get inspired by my dreams. I, I'm a lucid dreamer. So when I dream, I can actually control my dreams. So sometimes in my dreams, I, I create like, crazy shapes I've never seen in real life and or colors and I experience things that you know that really inspires my my everyday life so I mean I'm constantly finding inspiration everywhere whether it's in my dream online offline through people just you know opening myself up for that that's the first part for my creative process is you know just getting inspired and after that I like to get a little moleskin or a sketchbook and it just starts sketching out shapes and ideas and I listen to music at the same time. It really helps stimulate my imagination and creativity. And, and I kind of just zone out. It's like meditation for me. And 
I start coming up with all these crazy ideas and I share it with my team and they really help me execute and build out this vision. I see. And how often do you do this? Every day. Every day. I have a sketch. I have so many sketchbooks. It's crazy. I have like a library of sketchbooks with, filled with nonsense. Most of it's filled with nonsense and a few pages will have gems. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Can we take us back to the early days, you know, just when you started your YouTube no, even before you started your YouTube channel with Asian Avenue, because I read about that in your book. Oh, my a... gosh. So you read? Yeah, I've you read, read your book. Oh, my gosh. I, it's, I never get to talk about this to people, so this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, look, I think behind every successful person, there's a lot of, you know, years of, of building their craft and owning their craft and, you know, interesting Absolutely. stories. So I'd like to touch on that before your YouTube channel. Sure. This was back in like, wow, we're going back 2002, 2003, before MySpace and the Friendster, when the internet was truly the wild, wild west and it was so unexplored. I mean, the landscape was so different. AOL was popular. You paid the internet by the hour. And so while I was doing the whole dial-up thing, and my family didn't really understand, they didn't really get what the internet was, which was great. So during this time, late at night, when no one was on the phone and I could have you know complete access to the internet... I stumbled upon this uh, social media platform for Asian people <laughs> because back then, I mean, it was, it was really tough for me to find a community that I could just share my culture with because um, I was in Florida and I was one of the few, if not only Asian person. So it was really hard for me to connect with other people of my kind and not, not that I'm, you know, I'm not racist or anything. I just, it's, it's just nice to just meet someone else who's Vietnamese or Asian so we can share or vent about the same situations that we're going through with our parents. Because, you know, I'm, my family came here, and so I'm, I don't know how you guys define it. I'm second generation, so I don't know how you guys define it in Australia. Some people consider me to be first generation, so basically my family came to America after the Vietnam War, and, and I was born in America, and I had a really tough time relating to a lot of people at my school because when I was in California, there, there was nothing but Asian people at my school. So it was easy for me to just, you know, integrate myself. And it wasn't until I moved out to Florida, I was one of the only Asian person and I, and I felt like an outcast. And so the internet was really a place for me to find a community and belong to, to, to a group, you know, and that happened to be Asian Avenue. So it was perfect. And I signed up for my profile and it was, it was different back then. It wasn't like Facebook or you know, social media sites today it was still very new. I had to learn how to do HTML. So I, I taught myself HTML. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And uh, I built out my Asian Avenue site and it was uh, one of the most popular Asian Avenue sites back then. And after Asian Avenue, I went on to Zanga. I don't know if you know about Zanga. It was a very, very popular blogging site back in the early 2004, 2005. And uh, I built out my Zynga page and put out really good content, and, and I was the top most uh, subscribed Zynga person. <laughs> so I always had this track record of just really learning the space, creating good content, and putting it out there. And for some reason, I just happened to be very popular. And I never did it on purpose. I just focused on putting out good content, and I just happened to be popular. And when Zynga kind of lost steam, then I jumped on to YouTube and then I haven't looked back since. So it's kind of crazy, like you said. Like, it's true. I really, you know, had a lot of time to nurture my craft, which is really storytelling. Mm. Storytelling and sharing and uh, 
having a two-way dialogue with my audience. Yeah, I see. Um, and that's something I really want to delve deep on because it's something you're very, very good at and content is massive right now. So I'm curious, you said you always created good content. How do you define and how do you know it's good content? You have to understand your audience before you create any content. You know, you have to love what you're creating. And I always believe you need to be your own number one fan before anyone else. And so creating something that you yourself would love and enjoy. And there's going to be a niche market that's going to love and enjoy what you love. You know, it might not be mainstream or mass, but the Internet has given people the capabilities to reach a niche market. And the word niche has evolved. It doesn't mean something small anymore. Niche can mean 10 million viewers. I mean, they can mean massive followings, but still very niche. So I think, you know, the first foremost, you know, just be your number one fan know what your vision is when you're telling the story. Like, what is the underlying theme? What are you trying to convey? What's your message? And having a strong structure to really execute that story, a beginning, middle, and end. So as a child, I loved stories. I read so many books. I, I read so many books to, to the point where I ran out of things to read up in my, in my own um, library I had. And so I became really bored and I started reading the encyclopedia. <laughs> Wow. So I always had this fascination to just learn. And when the internet came on board, it was crazier for me because it was more up to date than, than the encyclopedia. And, you know, with Wikipedia now, I'm, I'm always constantly on Wikipedia reading new things. So that's another element of storytelling that's strong is just constantly updating yourself and educating yourself with stories from the past, present, and looking towards the future. I see. And... You are, yeah, essentially a storyteller. What do you have a like a a rule book or anything that you follow for telling these stories? I know, like you're very good at making yourself vulnerable. Was that something always that came naturally to you? I don't know if there's a rule book. I mean, honestly, it's very intuitive. You know, it's like asking a pianist or or a painter. You know, like how how do you do this? It's, it just mm. comes from within, and I, I believe everyone has a talent that's very special and unique to them, like a fingerprint. And I think one of my strong talents is it's storytelling. I I know how to I know, I know how to package together something that can entertain someone and really bring out emotions and really put together the elements of visuals and music and sounds and and putting something together that can really entertain someone. And I was actually very, very good at that at a very young age. My mom told me when I was very young, and I don't remember this, I would just, I would draw out my own stories in comic books, and she, she kept them, of course. And at school, whenever there was some sort of project that involved a PowerPoint, I always won the competition. I was, was really good at like putting together a presentation with music and sound, you know, just everything, just putting together the whole package and delivering a great experience to someone. So it's hard for me to really say that there's a rule book. I mean, I'm mm. sure there's a lot of things you can find, but um, a natural storyteller just knows how mm. to tell a story. Honestly, if you want to learn how to tell stories, like my biggest recommendation is just watch movie trailers. <laughs> like movie trailers, it's a great way to learn how to tell a story. Like you t They tell an entire story in two minutes. Mm. So that's one thing I do. I just watch a lot of commercials and movie trailers when I'm bored. <laughs> I see. And... When it came to the early days with YouTube, how long did you spend creating your art? I still create it to this day. I still edit my own videos and shoot it myself. But back in 2007, I didn't 
no one had a rule book. No, no one had a tutorial on how to create these videos. I just did it myself and I experimented and I tried something new and I shot my own videos on the webcam and I learned iMovie and, you know, it's just, it's, it's just something I applied to my own life. You know, I just wanted to try something new and experiment. For the first two, three years, I wasn't even making money on YouTube. It was pure passion, pure, pure hobby, just something for me to do on the side because school was becoming so stressful and I needed another outlet to just vent and to express my creativity. And that happened to be my YouTube channel. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm actually surprised you still do the editing to this day. Well, it's important for me to still maintain my editing because that's part of my style as a storyteller. That's like, you know, that would be like finding an artist and, you know, or Banksy is not even doing his own work anymore and he has someone else doing it, you know, or mm. having, I'm not comparing myself to him or like having a Picasso or Rubens not painting and having their student do it. But like I said, I'm not comparing, but it's, it's like the equivalent. So I'm a master of my own art and it's important for me to still create my own art, but it's come to a point where I might have to offset it and find a team. And also, I, I also want to find talented editors so I can help them. If one day they want to create a movie or edit something on their own, they have the capabilities and the tools and resources to do it. Okay. And you mentioned that for the first couple of years, you weren't even really making much money. Did you ever think that this YouTube thing would take off and you would create this, this business and you know build a community and now you've got your other companies and stuff like that? Did you ever think that, that it would get to that? Well, honest, I wasn't making any money at all, like zero money for the first two, three years. It wasn't even little money. It was zero money. In fact, if anything, I was spending money to make these videos. I had to buy all these supplies. But I never would have... I mean, I knew that the internet and creating my channel was going to be valuable to me because, you know, when you're an influencer and you have a following, that's valuable to anyone. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. If you're influential, you have a big following, that's valuable. So I knew that I was doing the right thing. And at the time, I was an art student. I was an illustration student. And I just wanted to do something that was creative in in the world of illustration. And, and I knew that if I had a, a, a good following and I could show that in my resume and portfolio to someone who was hiring me, they would probably choose me over someone else who might not have a really big following. And if we had the same level of, of talent. So I, I knew maybe this could give me a different edge than everyone else. So that was my inclination when I was going at this. But I never knew in a million years that it would become a massive multi-million dollar business. Absolutely not. And still to this day, like I don't really do any of this for the money. I mean, money is a byproduct of doing what you love and what you're really good at, but it shouldn't be the driver. That makes mm. any sense. I, I believe the driver should be your passion and your purpose. One, one last question, and that's around Ipsy. You know, what, what advice mm -hmm. or, or what's been your biggest learning lesson from starting that business that our audience can learn from? Oh, gosh. I mean, so many. But if there's one big ultimate lesson that we all learned, it's that you can't be scared of failure. You can't be scared of failure. And it's all about trial and error, especially when you're building a company that's so new and they're not following a certain guideline or rule book. I mean, we were doing something different, and no one was really doing what we were doing, but we knew that we had to try a little bit of everything to see what would fit. So I really believe in the idea of trial and error and not being scared of failure because failure is really a key component of success. You have to fail to know where you should not be going, and it will lead you 
in the right direction. I see. And when it comes to YouTube, any tips or tricks on getting started? This will have to be my last question. Any yeah, tips, tricks, anything on getting started to build up your YouTube channel and following? What's your number one? A big tip of mine is to know your audience. Know your audience, meaning know what content you should be making. So don't just like go on YouTube and do a bunch of vlogs and then the next day you want to become a, a movie director, if that makes any sense. Like you have to have a, a direction, at least a starting point. When I started, I was teaching and I was a beauty guru. And still to this day, I'm still teaching and sharing, but now I can teach people not just about beauty, but everything else, lifestyle. So finding that vision and finding that starting point. So if you're a comedian, start off with comedy videos or comedy shorts instead of doing, I don't know, I'm trying to think, like exercise video. That makes any sense. So really understanding your audience and knowing what content you want to put out and what content you are good at putting out. And the second thing is um, keeping the content consistent. The whole idea of viral videos was, it was popular back then, but now anyone can have a viral video and a viral video doesn't have a lasting effect. It has a very short lifespan, shelf life, and uh, you can have a video that has like 50 million views, but if all your other videos have less than 100,000 views, I mean, that's that's not valuable. It's it's just a one-hit wonder. You know, it's, it's the digital one-hit wonder of music. Mm-hmm. And the final thing is uh, have a sense of passion and purpose. If you're not passionate about doing these YouTube videos, you're going to burn out really fast because people under underestimate how difficult making a channel and creating consistent content is they think it's easy. Oh, I can just shoot a vlog and just edit this. Actually, it's much more than that. You have to, especially when you're doing it on your own, you're, you're your own producer, editor, shooter, lighter. I mean, you're doing everything and it will burn out. You're going to burn out so fast if you're not passionate about it. So really be passionate about what you, you are creating and um, have a sense of purpose so that the journey is fun and exciting. And that's it. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.